First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's praise the Lord again. For God is good and greatly to be praised. He is to be praised above all gods. For all the gods of this world are idols. But the Lord made the heavens and the earth. I said all the gods of this world are idols. But the Lord made the heavens and the earth. I said all the gods of this world are idols. But the Lord made the heavens and the earth. Come on, let's, let's see you praise the Lord one more time. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, somebody. Amen, 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 amen. Amen, you may be seated. I'm so excited to be here this morning. I'm so excited to be here. I apologize for our pastor's accents. He's getting some uh, needed R&R. I believe he's at the beach getting sand between his toes. We'll pray for him, Sister Charla and the kids. Amen. How many know you need to rest every once in a while? God gave us that example in Genesis when he says, and the Lord rested on the seventh day. Amen. Amen. We want to follow the Lord's example. Good morning, everyone. And it is good to see so many of you here in the early service. Amen. Amen. I'd like to ex extend a special welcome to our visitors. If you're a visitor today, thank you for taking a chance on us. We really appreciate that on behalf of our pastor and all of the leadership team at First Church. We say welcome to First Church. I also want to thank you all for praying for my sweet wife who hurt her leg a couple of months ago. And uh, she is on the mend. Amen? There's not much I could do without Sister Venice. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying for us. I'm grateful for Pastor Nathan, our pastor, who's not here, like I said, but who has been such an inspiration, such a good man and a good leader. So I want you to give the Lord a hand for Pastor Nathan. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go straight to the word of the Lord. I'm looking at the time. If you would turn with me with your Bibles to Psalm 27. We're going to jump to verse number 1. Psalm 27 and verse 1. Here beginning the reading of God's word. Oh, by the way, I'm Pastor Don, one of the members of the leadership team here. <laughs> Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold or the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Of whom shall I be afraid? Say it again. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now go to Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your trust, your faith, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Amen? Amen. So my subject this morning is fear, fear will rob you of your confidence in God. Fear will rob you of your confidence in God. Amen. Y'all pray with me. Father, I pray that this word will go through to the hearts of those of your people seated here and those of whom will hear it from thence on. I pray that you will anoint me 
hallelujah, so that I might speak as an oracle of God. I pray, God, all the words that I speak will not come from me necessarily, but from you. I pray, God, that you will speak into the hearts of your people so that they will hear from heaven and they will be able to say in that day, surely God has ministered to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Fear is a universal emotion. Fear is a universal human emotion that can destroy your confidence. Not just for hours or days or weeks, but fear can destroy you for months, years, and people are suffering even for decades. Fear comes in all kinds of disguises. It is the favorite weapon of the enemy. One type of fear is called misophobia. That's fear of dirt. <laughs> Hydrophobia, fear of water. Amen. Nyclophobia, fear of darkness. Acrophobia, fear of high places. Taxophobia. <laughs> no, that's not fear of the IRS. Taxophobia. <laughs> Taxophobia is fear of being buried alive. Xenophobia is fear of strangers. Necrophobia is fear of the dead. Claustrophobia is fear of confined spaces. And this is my favorite. Trixadecophobia is fear of the number 13. My all-time favorite. You know, years ago, when you would go into an elevator or a lift, as sometimes they say, there would be a number 13 on there. You know that? You remember that? It would be 11, 12, 14. Of course, there is a 13th floor, but they just call it something else. Tricking your mind. Fear is defined as an unpleasant feeling triggered by the perception of danger. Whether real or imagined. Everybody say that. Whether real or imagined. Whether real or imagined. Fear can be crippling. So crippling that it robs you of your trust in God. Your confidence in God. Your confidence matters. Amen. Amen? Your confidence matters. In extreme cases, fear can trigger anxiety and literally freezes you up you from accomplishing your God-given goals. Amen? Amen. In this way, fear becomes destructive when we obsess or worry continually about what might happen. And we allow that fear to rule or dominate our lives. This is the kind of fear that the Bible warns us again, but the Bible tells us over and over again, fear not, for I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, the Lord said. Be not afraid, he said. Do not worry, do not fret. Be not anxious for anything. Amen. And so we're living in a constant state of fear and anxiety is stark contrast to what the Bible tells us. In First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter number one and verse seven, it says, for God has not given us, come on, say it with me. God has not given us the spirit of, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. So if you are feeling fearful all the time and there is constant anxiety and dread, it didn't come from God. That's what the Bible says. God didn't give us fear. He gave us power. He gave us love and a sound mind. Amen? Amen. Let me remind you that those fears that you feel that grips you, that cause you to close up, that causes you to be anxious, it doesn't come from God. Remember that. Remember that's the enemy trying to get to control you. And in that way, when he control you, he can control what you do. There are many ways fear can harm us. Fear weakens our physical health. When we live in a state of anxiety, our bodies can't function normally. Sleep is elusive, fatigue sets in, and our immune system become compromised. Our risk increases for developing things like high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, migraines, eating disorders, stomach pains, and even ulcers. Number two, fear steals our joy. Fear places us in bondage. We can't enjoy the sunshine, the sunsets, being with friends or being uplifted by the natural beauty of God's creation because we are fearful. We are constantly consumed by this big worry around us. All the horrible things that could happen dominate our thoughts and our minds and prevent us from seeing what is uplifting and pleasant. Number three. Fear destroys our ability to do the things we need to do. Because we're obsessing over our fears, it paralyzes us and steals our time. We're not going to be able to focus on constructive tasks if we're directing our time and energies to nursing our fears. Worry can also make us feel worn out, which makes us feel even less productive. Sometimes you look at the faces of people, they're walking into work or they're walking into church and their face is just drained. They're worrying. Number four, we can no longer think rationally. And this is important because negative emotions that accompany fear can easily overwhelm us. And the research tells us that it overwhelms this prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain that, that, that is responsible for rational thought and rational thinking. And so you cannot really assess the risk and think critically. It prevents us from functioning as God designed us, as we should. Our emotions take over, putting the brain in freeze mode. And when that happens, we cannot address or even detect the facts around us so we can be easily misled. Number five, fear causes us to overlook God's truths and promises. And unless we make a concerted effort to read our Bible, focus on the things of God, how God intervenes in our life. If you remember, if you just remember how God delivered you in the past, that will help you to overcome your fears. You can say, well, God did it then. He can certainly do it now. How many believe what I'm saying? If God did it then, he can do it now. Paul writes in Romans 8, chapter number 18, I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. 
Today's afflictions and ordeals are temporary. And any pain that we have, any pain that, we, that comes our way, we need to endure it because again, Paul is telling us it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be, re shall be revealed in us. Amen? Amen? We often forget that promise when we are consumed with fear. We forget the promises of God. Because once again, fear just paralyzes us. Our eyes glaze over, we go in a corner and we sit and we tremble. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fear impedes our spiritual growth. When we worry, we have, in effect, decided to disobey God's command. Did you know that? God says, don't be afraid. And when we put ourselves and our own perspectives ahead of what God has already told us to do, I know that this is not easy. It can lead to spiritual problems. We can't grow in godly character and understanding if we aren't humbly submitting ourselves to what God has said. God's teaching is our milk. The Bible says, as newborn babes, desiring the sincere milk of the word. And if we're not focusing on God's word and what God teaches us, then we're going to get weak. Come on, somebody. We're going to get weak. Number seven, fear separates us from God. The more we feed into worry, the less we trust God to see us through our circumstances and the farther away he seems. The farther away he seems. The farther away he seems. He's not actually farther away. He just seems that way. Amen? Amen. The farther away he seems. Our actions and thoughts start to reflect someone or something else and doesn't truly believe what God says or what God cares about us. It becomes more difficult to have a close relationship with God when we allow fear to take over. Amen? Amen. James 4 and 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is one of the antidote for fear. Whenever we start feeling fearful, it's a good time to pray. How many know I'm telling the truth? Whenever you feel anxious, it's a good time to say, Lord, I need you right now. Right now. Uh, there are times when I'm driving down the road and, you know, a thought comes. Even a thought can trigger fear. A thought comes, what if that car, what if that driver is not paying attention? What if someone's going to run a red light? What if, what if, what if? And, and, and somehow a shudder of fear comes over you and I have to say, Lord, I need you right now. I need you right this moment because my mind is being interrupted and I want to stay focused on you. Amen? I've also found it helpful to remind myself of all the ways fear is destructive. This is always a big reminder for me to stop obsessing. When we won't be in a position to constructively address any of the challenges in our personal lives or in our world today if we allow the fear to weaken us. But if we're in good physical and spiritual health, thinking clearly, remembering God's truth, and staying close to him, we can certainly overcome fear. Amen? Now, we know that fear is a normal part of the human condition, what we call the human pathology. And some of us will celebrate our fears in, in just a couple of months, in Halloween. 
right? <laughs> but that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about, right? Uh, I'm talking about the kind of fear, say it with me, the kind of fear that keeps you from striving for excellence. The kind of fear that stops you from taking the next step in God. The kind of fear that prevents you from striking out on a new venture. Maybe teach a Bible study. Maybe host a small group at your home. Maybe preach the 915 service. Since how do we typically, how do we typically deal with our fears? The first thing many people do is that they avoid it, right? They avoid it altogether. And avoidance can take many forms, from refusing to fly on planes, or even sail on a ship or on a boat. Uh, one time we were trying to induce uh, my wife's mom to go on a cruise with us. And her response was, you remember what happened to the Titanic? I wasn't there, but you know, I know what happened to the Titanic, but I'm not gonna let that. You know what I mean? Fear can just prevent us from, and, and so now, I was able to convince my mom to go on a cruise. She, she overcome her fear, and she loves it. She now loves it. But she needed to get over that hump. You know what I mean? That, the Titanic hump, is what I call it. <laughs> So avoidance might, might, might grant you some short-term relief. It can often keep us, although it may give you a short-term relief when you avoid something, it can keep you from those necessary experiences that can be formative to us, without which we always will struggle when we come to that particular fear. It may ultimately prevent us from becoming who God is trying to get us to become. Amen? Amen. I personally think that the devil uses this as a tactic to knock, to knock us off our path quite a lot. Even things like talking to strangers people are afraid of. You know, we teach our kids, you know, stranger danger, don't talk to strangers. But God says talk to strangers. Didn't the Bible say that? Acts chapter number one, verse eight. And you shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall do what? You shall be my witnesses everywhere, here in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the world. How are people going to hear the gospel if you are afraid to open your mouth? We are the ones that are called to share. Amen. Amen. We are called to share the good news. If you remember the words of the apostle Paul in Romans 10, how shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without you? How can they hear without you, the preacher? And how can the preacher preach except he be sent? We are called to share. But if you're afraid to talk to people, you're not doing what God has called you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. I know it's quiet. Another typical response is denial. That's how we respond to fear. People may pretend that a potential fear-inducing situation is not actually happening. Right? Example, refusing to visit the doctor because perhaps their grandfather's grandfather died of some dreaded disease. And so they're, they're, they're not even wanting to look. Yeah, my God. That's fear. 
they're afraid of even going to the doctor. It's not that they can't afford it, they just don't want to go. And so, you know, not very long after, you hear that they're struggling with stage four something. Because for years and years and years, they ignored it and didn't look just to make sure that things were progressing nicely. When fear grips our mind, logic goes out the window. We don't think straight. Remember that prefrontal cortex. We, we, we obfuscate. We, we, we lie to ourselves. We say it's not really happening. Amen? Amen? And when taken to the extreme, excessive fear can lead to all kinds of anxiety. My God. And we see it in our society today. Yes. Anxiety disorders of all kinds. This is when fear grows into a place where it sometimes, you need to be medicated. And I might as well say that right now. If you have generalized anxiety disorder, if it's taking you over to the point where you cannot function normally, maybe you need to be medicated. You need to go see the doctor. Amen? And that's the truth of it. But we can't feed our fears. We have to feed our faith. We have to feed our hope. We have to feed our confidence. Amen? Amen. I have, you know that none of these reaction to fear is helpful. I have a word from the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse 7. I read it again. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you allow that to sink in, you know that fear doesn't come from God. The enemy is trying to do something. In fact, if you recognize this, call for the elders. Call for members of your small group. Call for your, your prayer partners and say, the enemy is attacking me. I need for you to pray with me. Amen? Come to the altar. Come to the altar and have the elders lay hands on you and say, I need you to pray with me. How many believe in prayer? Prayer changes things. And if in fact... You go to God when these things happen. God will rescue you. Because that is his promise. Amen? God will rescue you. One of the most effective ways to handle fear is to confront it directly. Of course, this does not mean putting yourself in any kind of danger, rushing into a frightening situation unprepared, but it does involve acknowledging the fear and developing a plan of response. And this goes for any kind of addiction or any kind of uh, problem that seems to take a hold of you, arresting your mind. Even the 12-step programs that we have today at Narcotics Anonymous and, and Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing they say is you've got to acknowledge the problem, don't they? My name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic, or my name is so-and-so and I'm an addict. You've got to acknowledge the problem. Ignoring it is not going to help you. You've got to acknowledge the problem. And a good plan, a good plan will give you the information necessary to objectively evaluate the situation. And this will put you in a state of being where you are more clear-headed, you're thinking straight, and that you can now choose a course of action that is corrective. Amen. The word confidence in our title comes from the Latin word 
fidere, which means to trust. Now, that's easier said than done when you're going through a fearful situation. But that's the reason why they have harness. Anybody ever been ziplining? Yes. What do they strap you in? They know it's a fear-inducing situation. So they strap you in, right? In a harness to prevent you from freaking out. And even if you freak out, they're intentionally putting you in a fear-inducing situation. Right? They, they're, they're testing your, your fear response. But what they do is, because people are weird, they strap you in so that you don't freak out and jump out of the harness. It's good to have confidence in, 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 in something and, and even in people. I love to be confident in how someone is going to behave or act or react. Uh, Sister Tiffany is going to organize the backpack drive soon. And, and I have confidence, I have trust in Tiffany that she's going to kill it. Right? Uh, what gives me that trust? Well, I have experience with Tiffany that in the last few years she's executed that backpack drive flawlessly. Amen? So I have that confidence in her that she's going to do a good job. Right? It is the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. It is also a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of someone's abilities, in this case, Tiffany's ability, right? And I know her to be someone that is gonna do a good job. She's gonna do what she says and she's gonna say what she will do, right? The Bible tells us that King David one time was afraid. And he wrote in Psalm 56 verse three, he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I, in God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what man can do to me. And if you just keep that in mind, trusting in God is the ultimate, it's the ultimate win. Right? No matter what you're going through, your trust in God will, will be your harness. Come on, somebody. No matter what fearful situation you're going through, your trust in God will be your protection. It will be, it will be your guide. It will be the, the hand you could hold on to. It will be your stabilizing force. Your trust in God will keep you firmly placed on the rock. Now, now, I know it seems somewhat naive sometimes when we say we trust in God, people roll their eyes. You know, they, what do you mean trusting in God? Well, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so when I speak or preach, or pastor speaks or preaches, and you hear the word of God, it engenders faith in you, in what God can do. Experiences also. How many have had an experience where God healed your body? God touched your body in such a way that you are not whole, and then you are whole. You have an experience that you can reach back to. And hold on to. That's your stabilizing force. You know what God can do. You have confidence. You have experience in God's hand to heal. Amen? Amen. Now, David tells us that much of the fear that we experience can be attributed to two things. Number one, it's related to other people. What people say about us. 
Dear Lord, help me not to think too much about what people say about me. Pray that with me. Lord, help me not to think too much about what people think about me. Because what people think about, in fact, the Bible tells us that plainly. The Bible tells us that plainly. Don't trust in what other people say. Trust in God. Amen? Amen. Lord, help me to keep my eyes fastened on you, on your word for my next steps. Help me to develop true confidence in you and hold fast to your precepts. The second thing David tells us is that fear of loneliness is a gigantic fear, particularly as we get older. If you are maybe living by yourself, if you are often lonely, you, you will develop a fear deep in your heart of growing old and having no one there. How many know what I'm talking about? You don't have to put your head up too high. Fear, fear of loneliness is a real thing because we are social beings. God created us to be in community. And so when we are not in community, we feel oppressed by the loneliness. Amen? We feel oppressed by the loneliness. And so David writes in Psalm 56, I don't need man's approval and or fear of being alone if I have God. What can flesh, he says, or man do to me? All the days men twist my words and their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, and they mark my steps when they lie and wait for me. Shall they escape iniquity? In anger, cast down these people, O God. So, so King David is pouring out his heart. He's pouring out his heart and he's saying, people are willing to manipulate the words that I say. People will take anything that I have. People will mock me. And the more successful I am, the more I'm attacked and they want to tear me down. But in verse 8 of that same text, David wakes up and he begins to remember his history with God. He begins to recall and he says, Lord, you number my wanderings. You put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. They will shake because they know God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. I wonder if anyone here is feeling a bit of fear in your life somewhere. There's something that maybe you lost your job and you're afraid of your income. You're afraid of being able to pay your bills. You're afraid of maybe you, you've got a doctor's report and you've got uncertainty in your heart and your mind in terms of what your health will be going forward. If you're like me, you step on the scale and you shudder. <laughs> I know it's only me. <laughs> If you're feeling that way, any kind of fear in your life, listen to what David says. 
It's better to take refuge in what the Lord can do for you than to trust in what other people say. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9. Psalm 146, verse 3. Put not your trust in princes or in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that day, his plans perish. Put your trust in God. The wise man Solomon says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Come on and say it with me. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes his flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Psalm 121.2 says this, I will lift up mine eyes, come on, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my, my help. My help cometh from who? The Lord. My help cometh from the who? The Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth Israel does not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. Then he says, the Lord is my keeper. Yes. Come on, somebody. The Lord is my keeper. Amen. Here's the key point. God is our only reliable source and our help and our source of salvation. We seek only his approval and his word for our direction. Only God's approval matter. Say that with me. Only God's approval matters. Here's the second point. I'm never alone when I put my trust in God. I'm never alone when I put my trust in God. I'm actually able to love people now rather than hate them. And my life builds upon the solid rock of God's presence and promise. Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Neither be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 53. When I'm afraid, again, I put my trust in you. Proverbs 3, again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Psalm 112.7. He is not afraid of bad news because his heart is firm trusting in the Lord. Once your trust is firmly in God, it really doesn't matter what happens to your body because your soul is safe with God. And I'm closing. Um, If you're fearful and lack confidence to accomplish your God-given tasks and goals, let me repeat once again what David said. Put your trust and confidence in God. He alone knows the depths of your heart. Thank you, God. Someone once wrote, lack of confidence is not the result of difficulty. The difficulty comes from the lack of confidence, the lack of trust. Do you get that? World War II tank commander George S. Patton said, courage is fear holding on a minute longer. He said this, if you give in to your fears, you are on the path of defeat. Instead, you stand strong in spite of your fears, you are on the path of victory, and we must never forget that we are in the battle, but we are never alone. With the power of God on our side, we cannot be defeated. Somebody better say that with me. With the power of God on my side, we can never be defeated. 
musicians come. I wonder if there's someone here that's battling fear. One more time. If you're battling some kind of fear, I want to pray for you. Any kind of fear. Yeah. If, if you feel like it, why don't you come to the altar, come up, and, and we'll have someone pray with you. If you're battling any kind of fear that, especially if it's crippling, come on, come on. Someone will pray with you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.